Greetings, Letters to Community. This episode went into production prior to the announcement that Texas Senate Bill 12, which placed a ban on drag shows, has been permanently blocked. Senate Bill 12 was initially passed by the Texas legislature and signed into law by Governor Greg Abbott on June 18th. It would have prevented businesses from hosting what Republican lawmakers called sexually oriented performances beginning on September 1st. The law never went into effect as planned due to a temporary restraining order and a lawsuit filed by the ACLU. On Tuesday, September 26th, a federal judge ruled that Senate Bill 12 was unconstitutional, citing its language as vague and in violation of rights protected under the First Amendment. While we celebrate this victory for LGBTQ plus Texans, please stay tuned to the Letters 2 podcast as we continue to follow the ongoing legislative attacks on the LGBTQ plus community across the country. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark. I'm Nick. And this is a brand new episode of the Letters 2 podcast. Now, today we have a few topics. You know, we're continuing on with our new... Our new setup, our new way of doing things this season. Uh, and today we want to talk about, you know, there's a lot of things that's been happening recently that just, that just hasn't been sitting right with us or with me because I'm the one who uh, brought this, this episode, like the overarching topic for the episode was my idea. And it all stems from this article I came across while on Twitter. You know, t- 2023, we get our news on from Twitter first, you know, we, we venture out from there. And I saw an article about a teacher being fired because she was teaching the graphic novel of Anne Frank. Now upon, this was a, a teacher in Texas, mm-hmm. but I was reading the article and they were like, well, they, it was more because, you know, it was, it was, it was promoting alternative lifestyle because of that one part of the book where Anne asked that, asked the other girl to like, if she could touch her breast or was asking about like breast, but I was like, but reading that, I had to go back and like find that passage. And it was more so of like, she was a young girl and she wasn't fully developed yet or she was developing. And she just was curious about how other, how a mother girl's body was. Like I, I, it wasn't anything sexual or, yeah, so or, or homosexual. Like there was, no, there was no sex involved in the conversation that Anne Frank was having with the other girl. It was more about like my body hasn't gotten there yet. He, yours has. I'm curious about how it's going. Like that's, but they made it. I don't even know anymore. Bro. and also I did. I read that in another state that the the mom's liberty. They actually said that. They were glad, but they got the got the teacher to stop teaching about the Holocaust because they weren't teaching the Holocaust right. Yeah, this is very disappointing. I think when it comes to Texas, the law is very the laws that they that they've implemented are kind of vague, and it seems like any type of conversation surrounding sex or nudity is deemed as pornographic and therefore inappropriate for children and that sounds a lot like I I, want to say censorship but also ignoring the reality of sexuality 
and development of adolescents to adults. I read the Anne Frank diary. I've read plays related to the Anne Frank diary. We watched movies like that. I watched the movie. I had to read the play and watch the movie in class. Like, yeah, I was in the eighth grade when we did, when we read about Anne Frank and learned about the Holocaust. But prior to that, I, I learned about Anne Frank in the Holocaust. So I think for seventh and eighth grade students, because I think they are, they are about the same age as Anne Frank was when she went into hiding with her family and when she wrote her in her diary. I don't think that any type of conversations that are, that occurred in her diary, or what she discussed in the diary are inappropriate for students of that age group because they're experiencing the same, some of the same uh, developmental uh, moments that Anne Frank went to at that time. They're becoming, you know, they're going through puberty. They're going through changes with their bodies and people are curious about that. Kids are curious about that sort of thing. It doesn't equate to sex or pornography, but it seems like conservatives in Texas are calling it that as a means for censorship and control. And I think we're doing a huge disservice to children when we ignore the existence of sex, especially teenagers, because acting like it's not happening or act and not necessarily and ju- that, that what makes me mad. It'd be the parents like they they they're on they're 16, they shouldn't be having sex. I'm like, but when did you start having sex? If you start having having sex in high school, because you were you 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 wanted it so bad. Are you really naive enough to think that your kid isn't also having those same sexual urges that you had when you were their age? Like, it's, I don't know what happens to parents. It's just like they forget what they were like once they have kids. I'm just like you did most of the same stuff, if not worse, because monitor being able to monitor your kid it was way less of a thing back then. Like the latchkey kids were just wild. But like you're, you're, I, which probably also might be the issue. Like I, they, I know what I was doing. When I was their age. We, we got to censor this. But also, I was going through some of the comments of the, like, of that, the, the initial Twitter article that I like that linked me to the main article, and people were just like, well, you know, the Holocaust isn't important to to be teaching anyway. You know, we won the war. End of. I'm like, no, 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 no. First of all, you cannot talk about America. Or how the world, the state of the world as it is, as it stands now, without talking about World War II. America as the global power that we are today, Russia being a global power and being our enemy, all stems from, the af- because of World War II and the aftermath. The outcome of certain, World War yeah. so, Certain countries that are our allies, certain countries that are, that are our enemies, most of that started because of World War II. We have fucking GPS because of World War II. You literally completely ignoring World War II. You miss out on pretty much modern modern times as they stand from technology standpoint, from medicine standpoint, to to the economy, to how the world is set up today. How can you say that teaching World War II is irrelevant? All they need to know is that we won. 
Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's not helpful at all. I there's there's so many things to learn from studying the Holocaust, studying World War Two, and I think Anne Frank's diary is a great way to explain what was going on during that time period to children at that same age yes, because she was a kid we can relate to one another um and it's one of the one of the things i noticed with texas um remember i was saying i was saying how you know ignoring the existence of sex does a disservice to, to teens and children texas consistently ranks number nine in teen pregnancy for the last couple of years i looked that up and they've been number nine going back from now to at least 2018. And it's no surprise to me that that's the case considering their attitude about sex. I think teaching, we're not, I, I'm not necessarily advocating for giving children access to pornography or teaching them the how-tos when it comes to sex. What I'm saying is these, a lot of the conversations surrounding sex could be had with a trusted adult or a parent and that can actually teach children about consent, teen pregnancy, um, what sexual abuse and sexual misconduct look like so that students, children, students can all be um, vigilant of that to protect themselves and to protect their peers. You know what I'm saying? And I think we need to stop treating children like they're ignorant, like they're not capable of learning certain things. Of course, do it in a way that's age appropriate. But what was happening, what was discussed in that Anne Frank graphic novel or in her actual diary isn't, you know, completely foreign to most students that age. I know a lot of people are curious about how their bodies are going to change, what that might look like. Doesn't, doesn't mean that they're interested in sex or even understand what sex is but of course they're trying to frame it that way and that's very problematic and they're throwing out the entire novel based off one little passage is it the graphic novel the graphic novel they they don't want it to be taught in general the the um story of Anne Frank as well Mm mm-hmm that's because they're because they're the moms in liberty are also really against the Holocaust even being taught in schools. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's a whole thing about the Holocaust. It's a possibility that something like that could happen again, because you're doomed to learn. You're doomed to repeat the lessons that you don't learn from history. Mm-hmm. That's it's, no- it's like I know these kids aren't that. What's the word? What's the word? Like. Are we censoring them that much that we're like we're literally trying to edit history? Pretty like, much, we already edit history, but like this is taking it to a whole new level. They're trying to outright deny certain things even happened. Do you like horror movies, like Halloween and the Blair Witch? Well, if you're like me and you do, you should join me and listen to the Haddonfield Horrors Podcast, where they discuss and review horror movies and horror movie franchises. If you're not listening to the Haddonfield Horrors Podcast, you're definitely missing out.
at one point are we gonna start stop like having I can't even get it, can't even articulate what I'm trying to say. It's just I've been noticing the last couple of years that because something offends or doesn't sit right or doesn't align up with with a certain group of people's beliefs, that they they their first instinct is to change it for all. And it's like, no, like it that doesn't work for you. If you don't want your kid to be learning about Anne Frank, then you have the option to homeschool. You have the option to put them in a private school. You have the option to do anything. But no, instead of exploring your other options that you have, you go and lobby to take away this thing for everyone. Now no one has an option. Right. And I'm just like, when did that become okay? Which also, I don't, I just, it's just, it it also goes to you know the the back with the the, the Flint and the Flint dress code uh, the Senate dress code. It's like okay, this doesn't this is how you view 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 something, but I have to change your every. You have to pass legislation to make it for everyone. Yeah, but you also had a topic that you that you wanted to talk about. Well, you know we can keep in theme with the banning of books. I actually have a list of 438 books that are banned in Texas. Texas is number one in the United States when it comes to book bans. I think they have the most. And some of these books I've read, I was curious if you had a chance to look over the list and had you read any of those books in elementary school? I had not looked at the list. Let me go look at it now. I think probably I know had I I know for sure that the Catcher in the Rye is on here and I've read that. I didn't like that book, so I was actually okay with that. I book. did not like it, but I <laughs> That's I got I I got initially why it was banned. You know, holding holding Caulfield was a loudmouth, disrespectful, precocious little brat who made racist and homophobic mm-hmm. homophobic comments, but he also was open to exploring his sexuality. So it, it was like, I got why it was, if, I don't know, if it, it wasn't, did I like the book itself overall? No, the book was weird. It had some questionable moments, but did it need to be banned? Did it need to be set ablaze? No, not really. Like, no, not really. Um, I'm reading, okay, I'm already seeing queer in, in, words like that so obviously i haven't uh those first 10 i haven't i haven't read before i haven't read ramona blue i also like the movie perks of being a wildflower is banned i mean that talks about suicide and i mean i guess but like it's about teens who are battling depression and that it's something that kids should be handmaid's tale i get Wait, is this banned in school or banned in general? Banned in school. Banned in Handmaid's Tale, rightfully banned. I don't think that should be read in school. That book is... Okay, I don't agree with that because I feel like you should... I don't think you should be banning books, period. Not, not banned. You shouldn't be banned. Like, you should be passing laws to ban it. But do I think it's inappropriate to be read in school? That book in particular? I'm, actually, I, now that I'm thinking about it, and that's the thing you have to think about. It's not just about banning books in schools. I feel like you have to also consider the age group that's going to be reading the book. Wait, the on the book. 
I wouldn't Game just. Game of Thrones books are banned. What? Okay, well, if you watch the show, there's a lot of nudity on the show. And sexual relationships that like associated with the book. Mm-hmm. There was a lot more nudity that was there, there was actually controversy around surrounding that too. But again, I don't think we should be sending the message that books need to be banned. And mm-hmm. I they are not considering age groups. They have the giver on this list. The giver? I, I love the book. giver. I read that book in the sixth grade and I had no I had I, it was very informative. It was very eye opening, but it wasn't one of those books that I went away with and was like, "Oh, this is inappropriate." I for for you someone. Know, you know what kills me that I most of these books, it. most Go of ahead. these books that are banned have move, movie adaptations. So it's like, can you ban the movie? I mean, you ban the book, but the kids can just go watch the movie. I wonder how many kids have watched the Giver movie simply because Taylor Swift has a cameo in it. In the Giver movie. Yeah, she's a, she she she's the um she was the first person she was the reason why the giver didn't want to keep passing his um you know remember, remember the part in the book where you know they're like okay he did this to his daughter his granddaughter and it went wrong and has, he hasn't been right since she played that she played that character in the movie I have to rewatch the movie because I haven't seen the it, movie in long but, but I remember- that just takes back because you're you're banning these books but they're movie adaptations that some of them stick close to the source material, but then they add a little bit more riskiness to it. So it's just like, are you also going to put a ban on the movies? Well, they're banning... Remember, they're banning the books in school. So students get books outside of school and read Mm -hmm. them. I feel like reading... So you can Wikipedia it. Reading reading some of these books in school inspires conversations that can be... And lessons that can be learned if taught, if done under the guidance of a teacher. And I don't think that the, the things that, that are covered in a lot of these books are, you know, coming of age, um, dealing with the government and being a citizen. Like there is a lot of messages that are and themes that are in these books that I think the state of Texas is purposely trying to avoid mm-hmm. students, you know, any I mean, type of From the giver, I learned that you can't, the giver pretty much taught that you can't suppress people's feelings and emotion. You can't mm-hmm. make everyone be step for people. They all can't like the same thing, be the same kind of person. You can't put people into a box that you think they fit in. You're supposed to be able to feel emotions and do things based off emotions. That's okay to do things based off emotions about visual reactions. That's what I got from the from the, from the giver. It was It was like 1984, but like at a kid it, level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It touches on very dark themes, but in a way that I think children can understand, at least children yeah. at that age. Because I was in a sixth right. grade, I was, what, 11, 12, uh, reading that book. Same. Shit, I read The Bluest Eye. That's on this school. That, that's on this list too, The Bluest and, Eye. I can, I, I can see why that one's banned in Texas, because that's... That book, oh my god, that book Hobbit, was Hobbits on here, and a lot of books by Hobbits. Yeah, a I'm lot seeing of... they have manga on here. Like, what the hell is happening? Wow. Yeah. So it's really. I read now. I didn't read this when I was in school because it wasn't out yet. But All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson. I read that book a couple years ago. 
and I thought it was amazing. And I wish I had had that book when I was, you know, in in junior high, high school, because the the writer who I think uses they them pronouns went through a lot of the same experiences with bullying and, you know, just understanding their queer identity at a very young age. And I, I the book is banned because of this, because of, I think, two references to sex that are made in a book. I think there's one, one um, chapter where the writer discusses being sexually abused by a family member and, you know, having no understanding of sex prior to that. And then the second uh, instance or chapter dealing with sex involves the writer's early experiences with sex when they were in, I think, in college. So basically coming to terms with their queer sexual identity. To me, the the it didn't read in a pornographic way. It felt like somebody was just recounting experiences they had that shaped them into the person that they are. They weren't being very, you know, explicit and braggadocious about the the situation that the, the, their experiences. And I think it can be a very helpful, you know, book to read for anyone who might be going through something similar, someone like myself or someone, a child or a teenager like myself who was going through similar things. That book can be very inspiring and reassuring and knowing that you're not alone. And that's the message that a lot of queer youth need to hear. And to take this novel away from, or this, it was a memoir, not a novel. To take that away from them is, I think, a huge disservice. It's very unfortunate. So. Yeah, I just, and it it goes back to, because certain parents, like, I'm pretty, these parents learned or, or read it, like this book has been has been taught in classes since the late 80s. Which book? Um, the Diary of Anne Frank. Oh. So like you 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 read this book. You probably seen the movie. You you read the play. <laughs> you know what it is and you I just, I I don't know. It just, it makes me so mad. And I don't I don't What's the next topic? <laughs> Um, well, I actually saw an article about, um, a replacing poly- school libraries with disciplinary centers. Yes. Okay. So in, te- this is also in Texas, <laughs> specifically in the Houston independent school district, uh, they will be eliminating several school libraries and replacing them with, uh, quote unquote learning centers. And the learning centers are going to serve as a classroom where students who've been who've had behavioral issues can attend their classes virtually. Um, the superintendent Mike Miles uh, believes that the plan is a great way to reform the school districts, which are suffering from low reading levels and standardized test scores. Now, the irony in that is you're going to remove you have these low test scores but you're going to remove libraries from a district that has low reading levels. Like, does that make any sense at all?
Ministry Podcast has now launched our very own merch store. We have teas, hoodies, and cups, and so much more. Check out our merch store. Link will be in the description below. Thank you, guys. What'd you say? I'm sorry. Huh? I just was saying how the oh the school the superintendent believes that this plan is gonna help reform the school district, which is suffering from low reading levels and standardized test scores. And I just thought it was really ironic that you would remove libraries from a community or a district that's experiencing put in disciplinary centers to help improve reading levels but what how, how how does that help improve reading levels if you're yeah, taking away wouldn't you just a resource that provides reading opportunities to students why how does don't that you give them like why don't you just set aside time in the in the in like you're already banning books that that's that's one like and you're banning books on a state level but the ACT and SATs those are countrywide so you're already hindering these kids because they can't, they can't, they're not learning certain fundamental comprehension skills because you're banning certain materials that will allow them to be taught those skills. And now you're taking away libraries and putting in disciplinary centers, thinking it's going to help them. Now, if you were taking away libraries and being like, oh, you know, you know, 2023, you know, the, the, the new age, I'll be going to give them like books online or have like this app where it'll be a digital library they can put in their phones and they can have the books that way. You know, they have their student ID and that the, the digital library. I would get that. But to eliminate the library, to put it in a disciplinary center, that's stupid. How is that supposed to help them? If I'm being sent to a disciplinary center, I am not going to be reading. I'm not going to be doing any comprehension. So what they're doing, they're 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 basically saying that that's going to be a virtual learning site. So students who were disruptive in class will immediately be sent to that uh, detention center, and they'll be able to log into their class virtually. But I don't understand how the teacher is expected to teach the class face-to-face and then also teach the students who are logging in virtually. I feel like that's putting a lot of work on on the teachers themselves, and they're just trying to teach their lesson, get through their lessons, and the student isn't getting the extra attention or support that they might need because there's a reason why they're acting out in the first place if that's the case I mean mean, college professors were doing hybrid classes before the pandemic and they were having a hard time like keeping up like with the tech like the technology alone it's like okay you might be delayed a couple seconds so that being delayed during a lecture is it's putting a it's gonna it's gonna cause a lot of problems for the teachers and then the student again, the student isn't getting enough support. They're obviously, if they're if they if they're being sent to a detention center, they're obviously having they have behavioral issues. They need additional assistance from, you know, from staff members. The teacher can't be both, um, or can't necessarily do both. And they're putting librarians out of a job. 
they're taking away the school librarians. And our when I was in high school and in elementary school, I loved going to our school library. I used to go to our school library during lunch because it was just, you know, a place where I could go to computers. I could read and work on my homework assignments. And I remember our librarians being a great resource for us because they could help us with research, doing research, how to do research. Um, There's a a huge opportunity um, for students to develop skills by being able to connect with librarians at the school. And I think that they're sending the wrong message to students when they take away their libraries because... It, it it almost to me seems like you don't care about the kids and their well-being. Uh, they're going to feel so I, I, so sad and they're going to feel like they're being overlooked. And you know that this is going to impact Black students and students of color at a disproportionate level. Yeah, and, and I, I remember I, the book fair was, um, was my favorite thing to go to every year. I used to go, whenever I had a book report, or any kind of report. I used to go to the library like, okay, this is what my book support, mm-hmm. this is what my report's about. And like, well, if, if you need some good some good quotes, some good, you know, this, this, and that, go this book, that book, this book, that book, do research on this person with that book. Like that's what you got from the library. Like I never went to the public library because I had a school library. It was all like right there. And I, what is happening right now? What I t- um hold on one second because i i feel like when it comes to states like texas florida most of these conservative states to be quite honest um they really feel like it's their responsibility to keep people in the dark it's it, it it's really a culture war a cultural war against people of color, black people, the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and it's really, it's really fucked up because we're at a point now where these historically excluded and marginalized groups are finally getting a voice and sharing their perspective, perspectives with the world. And Conservatives are categorizing that as indoctrination. Why is learning history from a Black American perspective considered indoctrination? And why do conservatives fear that Black history will cause students to hate America? And I think that perfectly segues into the next topic because Arkansas has decided to drop the AP African-American studies course that was piloted um, last school year, so 2022 to 2023, in 60 schools across the country. In fact, there is an increase in demand for the course, and I think 800 schools will be testing it out this school year, um, and that's twice the number of schools that were initially planned to test it out. So I think it was about 400 schools that were going to test it out now is 800 because the demand for it is so high. And the, the, the course is really fascinating because it gives you history from a Black perspective. So starting with, I think this, the, the course has four major components, uh, ancient Africa, the transatlantic slave trade, the Civil War, 
and then the civil rights movement and thereafter. And I remember learning about these four topics in school, but they were very brief. They were, they were, they were glossed over. They weren't given any type of nuance. And the way that they were taught, you think they were taught from the perspective of the colonizers and the people who were responsible for facilitating the the, the transatlantic slave trade. So you have to under, if you're someone who studies history, you understand that history is typically written by the victors or those who um, benefited from whatever was happening at that time. They control the narrative. So there are so many voices that we've yet to hear. And I, I I haven't, I didn't see it in the curriculum. I'm not sure if that, if this is the case, but I think one of the best things people can read to learn about the experiences of enslaved people, instead of speculating about it, is to read the slave narratives, because they will give you a firsthand account of what the experiences of the enslaved were like. I, I, I'm not sure if that's something that's included in this cur- in this curriculum, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is because it's an AP African-American history or studies course told from the perspective of, you know, African-American people or black people in the black diaspora. So I wouldn't be surprised if that is included in some way or another. And we did read some slave narratives when I was in school. We read the narrative and life of, Fre- of Frederick Douglass. A lot of people got to read that. That was part of the curriculum when I was in seventh grade. And ironically, I went to a predominantly white school. So that was rather shocking to me that they were even allowing us to read that. But I had read the book prior to that because my father was a history uh, history buff and a history major in college. So he shared a lot of that with me growing up. But I say all that to say, it's crazy to me how now that African-American people and people of color and the LGBTQ plus community are getting a voice. They're trying to stifle that. Conservatives are trying to stifle that voice to maintain their power and hinder progress by using these fear-mongering techniques to say that, oh, this is going to, this is going to um, make the students hate America and hate themselves. And it, I think it's definitely going to hinder progress in that regard. Yep. Cause you 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 missing out on so it, it it circles back to you can't teach American history without teaching certain aspects. America wasn't always the victor in the story. Mm-mm. Like you have to look like even the bad things, you know, the the the, the taking Texas and 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 California from Mexico, you know, taking the land in general from from the natives, forcing black people over in slavery, that's all a part of what how we got to where we are today. The bad part of the history, the good part of the history, it's the history of the country and how we got to where we are. And how can you teach it can't be all fluff cuz that's stupid. So you're going to teach them all the good, positive, fluffy crap. And then when they go out to the world outside of America and they have these inflated sense of American pride, America's great. And you see, I see that now when these people go, when these influencers or whatever, when they go to other countries, they have this inflated, inflated sense of I'm American, I can do what I want. I'm American, I have rights. You have rights in America. You don't have those rights in other countries. 
Right. That's I think that's called American exceptionalism. Yes, and that's why they tell you if if you're an American, you're going to, and you're traveling. Never say you're American. Say you're from Canada. Yeah, we're not all on the world. Americans aren't, at least. <laughs> yes. It's like people don't like us because we're taught that we are number one, we're superior, no one's better than us. And it's like, come on now, come on. Like, you can't, you can't, you have to teach the good along with the bad to have we, a full understanding of. We're indoctrinated, right? We're indoctrinated to believe all of that, but we can't even. We can't even teach the full scope of what happened in this country over the years, over the you know course of history. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I, I was reading our articles about this and some of the students, the white students who took the course were saying how learning about African-American history didn't make them hate America. It didn't make them hate themselves. It opened their eyes to a different perspective. It encouraged conversations. It kind of forced them to look at things on a deeper level and understand how different perspectives can control a narrative or influence a narrative. That's a major, that's a major lesson, I think. And none of them said that it made them hate America or hate themselves. I don't even think black people hate America, even though America has not been kind to them all the time. Mainly because for black Americans, especially those of us who are descendants of enslaved people, have been in this country forever. You know, we are we've we, we've been in this country for generations and we're just as American as other other groups and deserve to be treated as such. But the problem is we've always been treated like second class citizens. We've never been given the same opportunities. And we've it never- makes me mad because of all the other groups that came here. We didn't come here voluntarily. Our mm-hmm. people were, were forced in, on ships and chains, bound and gagged, and made to come here. Right. And then when that was stopped, they were forced to breed people. And not even that. It's like, yeah, you breed, you breed the people, and then literally blood, sweat, tears, body is in the soil of this country. Mm-hmm. Literally built it. Our ancestors built this country with their bare hands. And then the other groups can come in and just be, you know, accepted to a degree because they all, because it's universal to dog pile on the black people. You know, we we might be this, but we aren't the black people. Like we were forced to come here. No matter what you sugarcoat, we were forced to come here and we made this country into our own. Yeah. So we deserve to have that, like that needs to be understood. Like we were forced to come here, but we are still here because we turned shit into sugar and made this place what it is. Right. It's black Americans and then the indigenous groups of Americans that have just been treated absolutely 
abhorrent. Ab- ab- and then um, to give them reservations, it'd be like, hey, you, you get this plot of land. That's it. Oh, but we we gonna take a little bit of it back. But that's it. Like, are you excuse me? Yeah. They took oh, their my 40 acres in my mule at. Right. They took the land from the Native Americans and then they forced black people to work on this land for free. <laughs> it's sick. And that's it's like, oh, we can't teach that in school because it'll make people hate America. I honestly, if anything is going to make someone hate America, it's <laughs> this this coddling of white students and the fears that these parents have that teaching them the truth is going to make them hate who they are. Why do you feel that way? Why do you feel that that's going to cause people to hate America? Is it because you feel guilty for the privileges that the actions of your ancestors have on you? But not even that. It's like, okay, you're not, te- they're not being taught that here in America, but y'all want to be able to go jet setting all around uh, the world. And that's when they're going to be smack reality that. America has done some grimy, shitty things. Yeah. I think if you love anyone or anything, you can accept the good and the bad. Acknowledge where you might have fallen short. We might have fallen short as a country. And work to rectify those shortcomings. It's that simple to me. Like, you got to take the good with the bad. I'm in a country where, as a queer person... There are now being things done that is insane. But there are other countries where even the whisper of you being gay, you can be hung legally. Yeah. So it's like, do I do I know that America sometimes, majority of the time, 95% of the time ain't shit? But am I, do, am I lucky to have been born in this country and not some other countries? Yes. There are some good and there are some bad. But the other bad out there tends to outweigh the bad we have to deal with here. It's we, we're, I, we're not forced yeah. to, to join the army. It's not mandatory for us to join the army like it is in some countries. It's not, I don't have to be worried about being arranged in a marriage. I don't have to worry about having to do this. It's like, yes, you teach the good, you teach the bad. And I also read a comment that was like, America is currently passing laws, legislations, and, and doing things that about 20, maybe 30 years ago would have caused America to go to other country and try to force them to change. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The LGBT, the laws against the LGBTQ plus community are, these are very fucked up laws. I think in other countries, we'd be saying like there needs to be some sort of humanitarian efforts to help and support these people. Yes. But Pass doing and do this. Let, let's send the, the people for the, uh, for the care packages and stuff. Like they would have been doing all of that. So it's like. Yep. Texas passed these, like I, I was saying earlier, how they passed laws that are, and they purposely did it in a way that was that was vague, so they could easily persecute people if they violate those laws. 
recently, I think this was uh, a couple months ago, if I'm not mistaken, a teacher was fired by a Texas Christian school for attending a drag show. Mind you, this occurred during a teacher's free time and when the teacher was off school property. And I think a coworker that attended the drag show was also fired. And from what I was reading, employment at that school requires the staff members to agree to act in a godly and moral fashion at work, on Facebook, and in my community, quote unquote. So <laughs> they're in a sense co- controlling just about every aspect of people's lives. This the the the, the staff the teacher went to a drag show after school, you know, like not during school hours off the school's property. They're not allowed to do that. That's ridiculous. Unless I am committing crimes of any kind, you know, selling drugs, you know, being well, that's considered a crime. And now they're they they crim- they're criminalizing they're criminalizing being L- being part of the LGBTQ plus community. That's literally what they're doing. Yep. I don't understand. I can't. Unless I am doing something as a teacher that directly harms children. Like, you know what? I, I was reading today, you, know, you brought up criminalizing being fired because you go to a drag show. I was just reading about something that had people, whole people were arrested in Tennessee for child pornography and for sexually abusing children. But no drag queens, were no trans people, were no queer people in sight. It was a group of white people, men and women, oh. cisgendered, who were committing these crimes. Interesting. But yet, y'all want to pass legislation, y'all want to ban drag shows because that's indoctrinating children. No, the pedophiles out there who are they are they doing more than indoctrinating children. Harm. They're they're committing real harm to children, yes. not the LGBTQ. Those plus. are the crimes. But you know, let, let, let's focus on let's let's do the buzzwords. Let's do what's going to get the people going because over it. Like I said, it's just not helpful. Nothing that they're doing is actually helping anybody and the only reason that they're doing that is because of the they're trying to appeal to their base i think a lot of these people are misinformed on certain issues and they're supporting these politicians and their policies because they think that they're protecting their stu- their children but they're not over it's- 30 faith leaders have been arrested in multiple child rape, sexual abuse charges in Tennessee. Faith leaders, not trans, not not transsexuals, transgender people, or transgender people, not queer people, not drag queens. Faith leaders, leaders. Mm-hmm. E- evil. How do you say the word? Evangelicals. Evangelicals. Yes. Them people, they the one who did it. Hmm. Mo- these actions are allegedly occurred in 2021. They're being arrested now. So who knows what they do? They was doing before or doing since. During doing since, and we and we it's well documented the abuse that people have that children have suffered um, 
in the Catholic yeah, Church, church. And, and, and churches Conversion in camp. Mm-hmm. It's well documented. Now, now you want to do episode on indoctrination, religion, conversion camps. But you know that that's a different topic for a different episode. We gonna we gonna keep it rolling. What else you got? If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a review and a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Also, follow us on Twitter at Letters to Media and on Instagram at Letters underscore Podcast. Um, so we talked about the, oh, you know, actually I, I was, I read an article where Texas is actually putting an end to a democratic process that students were able to participate in, in their civics classes. Um, I, there was a, a project that high school students could work on where they actually get an opportunity to interact with their local and state officials. But Texas recently passed a law that prevents students from engaging in any type of interactions with their with state and local officials. So now children aren't going to be able to learn about the democratic process or any type of um, civics lessons that involve connecting with their local officials. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. If anything, in order to create a more intelligent and informed constituency, Allowing those students to connect with their government officials is a great opportunity for them to learn about that process and develop an interest in politics. But of course, they do not want students to be informed constituents, so that's why they're banning it. And like that's insane because in fifth grade we we had a whole like we learned about politics. We learned about the different branches of the government. And that all led us to going, my class, taking a trip to, to Springfield, you know, Illinois capital. That's where, you know, everything happens. In Illinois. All the big laws that are made statewide happen to Illinois. We, we met, we met our, um, the alderman that our school was, um, was covered by. We met him down there in Springfield. You know, we did the whole tour. We saw, Lincoln's cabinet, but it was all about learning the breakfast of the government at the state level. State level, right. And you you tell me that they don't what? They don't, don't want to understand that it involves if, if if it involves interacting with the act with your actual government officials. That's ridiculous. I think kids should be able to know who's representing them um, on the state and local level. I think that if you want an informed an informed group of citizens who are going to be voting, they need to understand how this works. They can start voting once they turn 18. You have between fifth grade up until they turn 18 to teach them all you can about the government and why it's important to vote, know your laws, know your officials. So when they turn 18, they're not like throw them into the middle of their first election and have to be like 
cramming and trying to know what's what. And most of them don't even do that. They'll just not vote. People won't vote or people it's, will just go in there voting blindly. That's how they're, they're setting people up for failure in that, in that regard. Yes. And it's an, it's insane. Like, I just don't understand the thought process. Like you don't want the, the people who, the kids who are going to grow up to be voters, you don't want them to have knowledge of that. Oh, we need to have a whole episode on the school system in general because the fact that it's so focused on tests and 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 results and and and, and like all, all these scores, but it's like you're not home. Ec, home ec is eliminated from majority of schools in America. I didn't know how to fucking. There was no class to teach me how to fucking balance a checkbook, how to do do credit, and you get people you, when you walk into campus on your first day of college. Hey, there's always fucking booths. People trying to get you to get a get a credit card on mm-hmm. your first day. Shouldn't I have known something about credit and all that? Like, give they're me not the basics. Give me the basics at school. They're not teaching basic life skills. They're not teaching financial literacy. They're not teaching anything regarding family planning. They're not teaching any type of career development um, courses. But you, but you want me to know how to get the space of X between this person and this fucking tree? Like, if I was going to be a construction worker, a zone planner, or anything like that, then all that extra math would have been great. If I was going to to medical school, all that, that would have been great. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I wasn't. So teach me the math I need to know to live my everyday life. And if you want to have some special classes for those people who want to do construction and be math leaks and all that, then you do that. But you know, give me the give me a basics class to learn how to do the basic math I need throughout my life, throughout everyday situation. I'm not a, an education expert. Um, however, I do have ideas on what a great education would look like for public education would look like for students from K through twelve, especially the nine through twelve years, because that's when you are becoming an adult. And by the time you graduate college, I'm sorry, graduate high school, you're technically considered an adult. If you are, if you're 18 at the time, Um, you are old enough to vote. You're old enough to get an apartment. You're old enough to, to get a job and kind of, and do some things. You're old enough to sign up for, to to be in, in, in the military. So I think that if you spend that four years preparing people to preparing those students to be actual citizens they'll be more successful in that transition because i don't feel like students graduate with any type of real life skills and then you if you don't go on to college you kind of get pushed out into the real world where you have to get a job and figure all of that stuff out yourself like you said earlier, they, they they eliminated home economics classes. And it wasn't just about cooking in those courses. You learned about, you know, financial planning and budgeting, you know, basic life skills, stuff like that. I think that schools, high schools should prepare a certain group of students for college. If they're college bound and want to go to college, they can have a curriculum devoted to that. I think they should offer trades or the ability for students to do apprenticeships and trades while they're in high school. So when they graduate, they can have a certification and be ready to go on to 
an actual career. Like if they want to go into cosmetology, they can get a cosmetology certificate um, before they graduate, maybe spend their junior and senior year doing all the classes that are inv- that are required to be cosmetologists. The, the, the trade and stuff you mentioned and cosmetology and all that, you you the math that you need is balancing a checkbook. Mm-hmm. Learn how to learn how to, to you know, not even balancing a checkbook because really, people don't really write that, but like you know, understanding you know credit and 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 loans and you know having to pay back loans, you know the percentages and 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 you know setting up bankings account and savings account because if you're going to be a cosmetologist for the most part, you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're self-employed, yeah. Yes. So you, so you need to know. You need, you need to know what that entails. Mm-hmm. You, you should. I should be. There should be a whole. There should be a class dedicated to, like, banking, taxes, stuff like that. Like things that you actually need in everyday life. But if I want to be a doctor, if I want to do construction, give me that next level. But. Yeah. Like, like I said, have a have a special curriculum for for students who want to go on to college. You know, they can they can take all the math, science, and other courses that are required to get into a good college and prepare them for standardized tests, the college entrance exams. And the students who, who wanted to focus on, you know, who don't want to necessarily go to college, but want to again, get a trade or do something else, have a curriculum devoted to that. It's not, to, that that to me makes a lot of sense. I don't see why more high schools aren't set up like that. And think about all of the jobs that are vacant now because people just don't have the skills for them. You know, I think we're short, there's a shortage on plumbers, electricians, um, those type of jobs because no one really hasn't had an interest in that. They weren't really pushing those careers on students. They were telling everyone, especially in our generation to just go to college, get a degree so that you can get a good job and and live a comfortable life. But we know that that's not the case. (laughs) That hasn't been the case at all. And now you have all of these jobs that are vacant because you have no, no one skilled to take those jobs. And then what about the changing technology? You know, AI is starting to give a lot of people pause because it might put people out of jobs. And people have invested so much time and energy into learning skills that are going to be obsolete in the next couple years. So I feel like the, the way that they're approaching um, education in certain parts of the country is very is very problematic and not productive at all to the development of future generations. Like these they're they're pacifying everything for the people who for the generation who's gonna like take over. Like what are they gonna take over? I yeah. don't I just don't understand anymore. I, I, uh, like, I look, there were aspects about school that I loved and I just, it's all being dumbed down and it's, it's harmful because you're literally going to throwing out a generation of kids 
that you want to have talk about how America is number one, America is this. Well, they won't be if you won't teach the fucking kids what they need to know to be on par with everyone else. The entire world is learning about things. Things that America has done, and then we ourselves are not being taught that. You're putting I, us behind. Mm-hmm. There, there are people in other countries who know more about American history than actual American students. Because American history is co- consistently being white, whitewashed and keeping most Americans, especially white Americans, ignorant to the experiences of minority groups. So because they didn't learn about it, it didn't happen. Or because we didn't learn about it, then, you know, or we did learn about it, but that doesn't seem real. So we're just going to say it was made up. Right. And that's what that's exactly what they're doing, because they're trying to say that, again, we're making we're indoctrinating students or that students are being indoctrinated when they learn about black history, because black history teaches people to hate America. And my thing is, why do you feel that way? I really want to know why they feel that way. And I have no doubt that it has to do with the fact that they fear the consequences of the actions of the ancestors, their ancestors or people who look like them. Because sometimes some of their ancestors weren't even, you know, responsible for what happened, but they were either complacent or they just stay quiet because it didn't affect them in the same way. And that's how they are now. They don't want to lose the position that they're in. And I mean, we've talked about this before. We talked about the changing demographics in this country. We've talked about how certain groups are fearful of, you know, minority groups becoming the new majority. I think in the next, what, 20 years, America's going to be a majority minority country. They're not going to have... Um, White, white Americans won't make up the majority anymore or something like that. And that makes a lot of people scared. But you see all the time where more people are involved in interracial relationships and that that's the future. of The, the future truly is going to be a melting pot. And it's not going to just be related to race. You know, we're seeing the we're seeing for the first time people who identify with different gender expressions and different sexual orientation being treated as legitimate people. And that's the future. Hopefully. I mean, the way that these laws are set up, they're trying to hinder that. But I, I strongly believe that the future is going to be very diverse and people are just really scared of that. My bad, I'm cooking some chicken. But okay, you be doing too much. When they- we try- <laughs> They would, they would rather be scared and, and uh, what's the word? What's the word? Damn, what's the word? It's, I can, it's right here. What's the word? 
what's the, the when you're trying to cover up something? What's the word for that? Oh, um, I don't. When you're, tr- they're trying to. I'm thinking. Uh, mm, I got. It, I got it. They're scared and they're they're scared and they're trying to suppress mm. all this information, all of these all of these facts, instead of actually learning about them, adapting, ad- adapting to them, and learning from them. Which is I I don't understand why. Like why suppress? Why get scared? Why run away when you can? This is this is a moment for reflection. And for education. And an opportunity for growth. Yes. You don't have to run and hide. Yeah. But that's what they want to do. They want to run and hide or they want to block people from existing. So, you have any closing thoughts? Any closing topics? Um, I do want to. I think we should definitely do an episode on our education system because that was an interesting conversation, and I feel like we could probably talk to some people who work in the field and see what their perspective on public yes, education. I know, I, I know some teachers. You know some teachers. We should definitely get on the horn and see who we can get on here. You know, absolutely. But I will say, I think. Everyone needs to start paying more attention to what's happening in their state and local governments. I think parents need to really get involved in their students, their 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 kids' education. Go to those PTA meetings. Meet with your with your students' uh, teachers. Meet with the faculty. Get involved and. Talk to your children, you know, don't keep everything from them to protect. Get involved and learn what's going on, but also gauge what your, how your kid is experiencing it mm-hmm. and don't hop right into, okay, my kid is having a negative reaction to this lesson. So I got to go in and get rah, rah and get the teacher fired. Like, no, right. talk to your kid and see why they aren't, why they're having a negative reaction to the lesson. Maybe it's something that you suppress from them, so they're learning things for the first time. Maybe it's not the let. Maybe it's some underlying issues. Like, yeah, maybe there's a reason why learning why why this homoerotic topic is upsetting for them. Maybe because they're 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 already queer and they're questioning, but they know that you aren't accepting. That's that's the real issue, not the fact that they're being indoctrinated. Right, and that's the thing. Parents are looking at this from the wrong perspective like they think that their kid is turning queer because of an exposure to queerness no your kid was already queer your kid is just queer because people be gay and um that that they're just seeing themselves represented or reflected in society that's why it resonates with them and maybe this is a good opportunity to connect with your child and not try to control them in that regard. Cause you're raising, you're raising humans. You're raising tiny humans. They're going to be people one. They're, they're people. They're going to be adults one day. 
And as a parent, I think it's, and I, and I know I have to be very careful in how I say this because I'm not a parent myself, but I was but a child before. I was a child and I have an idea of what would have been great parenting or what I needed as a kid from my parents. And I think my parents not trying to suppress my queer identity would have been very, very helpful in my development. See, I think I think the one thing my parents did right, when it comes to me being gay, that was a whole different story. When it comes, but overall, when it comes to my parents, what they did right is that they never forced who they were and who they wanted, who they thought I was going to be onto me. Yeah, they probably had expectations. They probably had hopes, but they didn't let that overshadow who I was actually becoming as I was mm-hmm. coming into myself. And I think yeah. that's where parents, parents, they, they, they give birth to the kids or whatever. They get the kids and they have this whole, my kids are going to do this. They're going to be that. They're going to do this. It's like, yes, you can have all these things in your head about who this kid's going to be. But at some point that kid is a person. They're going to have their own thoughts, insinuations, their own opinions, their own feelings, their own desires. And you can't suppress that because you want them to be who you want them to be. They have to be who they are. And it's like, and what, and and then they get so, I'd be, cause I'd be on Twitter a lot and I'd be down these rabbit holes and then parents, but I haven't, I don't have a good relationship with my kid. I haven't talked to my kid in over 20 years. You know, I haven't seen my kid since they turned 18. And it's just like, I wonder why. I'm going through your Twitter feed. I can see the kind of things you're saying on Twitter. So I can only imagine what you're saying to this person when they were a child. And now you've lost that kid or your kids because you were a horrible parent and you didn't want to know who they were. You wanted them to be who you wanted them to be. That's indoctrination right there. You, you're trying to indoctrinate your kid to, into your fantasy, into your dream, and that letting them be who they want to be. Right. That's how I'm ending my side. Yeah, I say just let parents' job is I think a parent's job is to guide their children, but nurture. let them nurture nurture and guide their children. Let them share the information with them and let the child decide how they want to apply that information to their life. But don't keep things from them. And of course, make sure it's what you're sharing with them is age appropriate. I don't believe in outright book banning, but I do think that you can maybe hold books until a certain until they're in a certain age group. I think the Anne Frank book is great for students who are in sixth to eighth grade. I think that's a great time the to learn. About novel books. version is a toned down version of the overall novel. Or the book, the, the diary, the actual diary. The same thing with, um, what's that, what's that graphic novel about the, the Muslim girl? It's with an A. Ah, I forgot what it was called. Mm. I don't think I know about that. Wait, wait hold up, up. Persephilis. You never read Persephilis? It sounds familiar. 
because that that graphic novel I read that in my my freshman or sophomore year in high school, amazing graphic novel, and it was it it's actually the it's the author wrote about her life growing up. Um, I don't want to say this. I don't want to get like it's set in the eighties doing Islamic resolution in Iran. You know, she de- details her life. It's it's kind of like Anne Frank's diary, but it's actually the author like she made the book and then she made a graphic novel to make it more, you know, enjoyable for people to read. So it's 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 about her growing up from like teenage years to 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 height from height from like high school to college. It talks about her losing her virginity and how that factored into her religion. Like it talked about sex but like she's in college, she's having sex, but she's still she's still in her religion. And like all of that, it like, this is what you go through as a kid. At some point you, you break out to what you grew up in. As... Yeah. You, you, you start to question what you were taught growing up and, and that's okay. That's part of, that's part of growing up. identity. Yeah. That's, and that's you learned that, you know, I questioned it, but it's actually who I am. But because right. I questioned it, I have a, I have mother, I have a more of appreciation for, whatever I was questioning or you questioning like, no, this isn't for me. I can respect it. I understand it. I can see it, but it's not for me. It teaches you about yourself. Yes. And gives you the space to decide who you want to be versus who you, you know, are being indoctrinated or or taught to be essentially. Who they want you to conform to be. Exactly. But you know what? I am done. So, Nick, do you want to close us out? Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Letters to Podcast. Um, We have a lot more in store for you this season, so stay tuned. Should we do an intro?